the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Pat Williams Power Hour on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. This is your hour when Orlando Magic's Senior Vice President Pat Williams sits down and speaks with authors who have written books on topics of interest and insight for listeners like you. And now, here's your host, Pat Williams. Welcome, folks, once again to the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. Uh, right here on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. As always, Alan Dempsey does our engineering. He gets us on the air each weekend. And Andrew Herdliska is our producer. Mike Berry joins us. Uh, he is the parent of eight adopted children. In addition to serving as foster parent for eight years, his book is out, Confessions of an Adoptive Parent, uh, Mike, uh, so nice of you to join me. How are you? I'm doing great. It's great to be here with you. Mike joins us from uh, Westfield, Indiana, just north of Indianapolis. Uh, tell me about this book and the background of the book, Mike. Yeah, so um, this I, I consider this book a labor of love. Um, uh, it, it was a, a fun book to write, and, and it's based on our award-winning blog, ConfessionsOfAnAdoptiveParent.com. Um, but basically, um, I wrote this book uh, because a long, long time ago, 16 years ago, in fact, we became adoptive parents. And along that journey, we also became foster parents, and we recognized pretty quickly that, um, you know, the, most of the world does not understand us <clears throat> or what we deal with on a consistent basis uh, with our children, particularly children who have special needs like some of our children do. And oftentimes that can lead you to feel very isolated, very alone. Um, you know, almost feeling, feeling hopeless, you know, like, I, I don't think we're ever going to get through this. You know, we, we knew, we know that a lot of parents like us love their kids. We love our kids, but oftentimes we find ourselves exhausted. And so much like our blog, um, in the same spirit, uh, I, I wanted to do a project that just gave parents like us, uh, like yourself, hope, uh, and also practical insights into the journey. So, uh, Confessions of an Adoptive Parent, the book is basically, uh, it's just that. <clears throat> it's a hope-filled book um, that's also mixed with insights, wisdom to the journey, um, a lot of storytelling. I'm a storyteller. Um, and uh, really, it, it, I created it to be a gift to foster adoptive parents and even parents who are thinking about the foster or adoption journey. Mike, so, let, let's start at the yeah. top here. Uh, you opened your book with a a topic beginning with hope, identifying your expectations and apprehensions. Uh, wh- why did you open on that note? Well, you know, I I wanted people to uh, I wanted to be honest. I mean, one of the things that we do is we're we're very raw and honest, but we also want to give people hope. And so, I wanted to start right out of the gate by by saying, listen, I I know that there are some of you who got into this journey or you're about to get on this, go on this journey and you have all these expectations, all these hopes, all of these dreams. You know, oftentimes people um, will, you know, with a heart full of love will decide to adopt or foster and they have all these visions for how this is going to go. And, you know, we as human beings, we tend to drill down. You know, when we have an expectation in our mind, we drill down on it. Even if we try not to, we really we really want to see the vision that we have come to fruition, you know, but as you know, um, there's a lot of curveballs when you're a foster or adoptive parent, you know, when you're a foster parent, you're dealing with a system that uh, is, is very overworked, um, sometimes inefficient, and there can be curveballs. When you adopt children from places of trauma, which most children in that, in, who have, who have been adopted, they, they deal with some form of trauma. That, that can be a curveball, and it can catch people off guard. And, you know, for us personally, we, we are raising uh, children who have fetal alcohol spectrum disorder because they were drug and alcohol exposed um, in utero prior to birth. And that, when we, when we first encountered that, we just, 
it, it caught us off guard. And so one of the things that I really wanted to do was I wanted to begin by, by identifying those expectations by saying, listen, we know what you expect. And listen, that's good. Go at it with a heart of love, um, full heart. That's how we are. We love our kids deeply, deeply, deeply. Nothing will ever change that. But understand that sometimes it's going to turn out opposite than what you expected. And we hear that all the time from our readers and our podcast listeners that, that I did not expect this. I didn't see this coming. So my intent with chapter one was to say, Here's your, I know your expectations are this, and that's good. Love, 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 man. Compassion, um, pour everything you've got into it. But understand that this could turn out to be very different, and that can leave you hopeless. But don't fret. There is hope. Um, we've found hope. We, hundreds of thousands of other people around the world have also found hope. And here's what that hope is. So that's really out of the gate well, how I wanted to start the book. Mike, let's start, uh, talk about jumping off. Uh, the joy yep. and struggle of choosing this journey. Yeah. So uh, I, I, in, the, in the chapter, uh, I talk about how, you know, especially people who ha- are, come from a church community or a tight-knit community, you know, people who are very supportive, um, they, you know, they can say, oftentimes you hear those people, you'll have those people say to you, oh, you should do this do this. Even those of us who are already foster or adoptive parents will say, oh, do it, man. Jump off with all your heart. Jump, jump in two feet. Uh, don't ask questions, just go. Um, but oftentimes, um, I, I, the way my good, my good friend Andrew likes to say it is, oftentimes we're really good at encouraging people to jump off, but then we don't really follow up with anything practical to help them after they've jumped off. You know, um, and for us, it, it's this, this, Again, I, I, the, the heart behind choosing to jump off and, and go on this journey is, is right on target. Do it with a full heart, full head of, uh, a heart full of love, um, but understand that it's going to be challenging. Um, and so, so yeah, uh, that was us. You know, we jumped off having known, we didn't know much about anything. <laughs> we, we had so many questions and not very many answers. My- and uh, we found ourselves quickly in over our head, I guess you could say. Mike Berry is our guest. Confessions of an Adoptive Parent is the name of his book. Uh, Mike, I want you to talk about learning to swim, uh, what to do when you're in over your head. Yeah, uh, so this this kind of uh, sets up, uh, you know, the the aspect of the book that talks about um, connecting to others and having finding community. Um, You know, one of the things that, in fact, the chapter that follows that is, is called Me Too, and it's ta- all about strength and relationships, which I, we'll talk about in a moment. But, you know, when, when, you, when you're on this journey and you had these expectations, you had the, this, this idea or this, this ideal in your mind of how it would go, you know, and then you all of a sudden find yourself kind of floundering. You know, picture it like you've jumped off the end of the pier into the water, you're excited, but all of a sudden you realize, oh my gosh, the waves are getting bigger. You know, I, I, we just found out that my, my daughter has reactive attachment disorder, or we, my son just received the diagnosis of fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. And all of a sudden these waves there are white capping and they're starting to, you know, surround you. And you feel like, you know, I, I'm out here and these people back on the shore were like, yeah, do this, do this, do this, jump off, jump off. So I jumped off, but then I realized really quickly that, I'm out here and I didn't really know how to swim through these waters. Um, And, you know, that really, that really leads into the idea of finding community of surrounding yourselves, plugging yourself into, uh, to a community of people that understand you, uh, that get where you're coming from, that get the struggles that are right there with you. They have the same heartbeat in their chest. They love their kids, um, but they're in the same predicament as you. They're trying, they're learning how to swim in the same waters that you are. So, um, you know, and in fact, I even begin the chapter by saying jumping is one thing. Swimming is another thing entirely. You know, it's, it's one thing to, to decide to do something bold or something courageous. Right. But then once you do that, once you take that step off the edge, then what? And, you know, like I said a moment ago, we have people oftentimes in our church communities, our support groups, our, our, our neighborhoods that are like, oh, even our families are like, oh, you should do that. Definitely do that. And right on. But then what? Once you jump off 
and you're suddenly you, you suddenly feel feel like you're in over your head, what do you do next? And that leads into community. Now I want you to talk about, but we're going to take a break first. But when we come back, uh, Mike, let's talk about Me Too, uh, yep. fi- finding strength in relationships. Just a reminder. Uh, this is the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. We gather like this every weekend on uh, 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word, <clears throat> in Orlando. Uh, always very, very pleased when you uh, join us. Uh, my guest is Mike Berry, uh, blogger, parent of eight adopted children, uh, foster parent for eight years. Uh, the book is called Confessions of an Adoptive Parent. More with Mike after this. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on 94.9 FM and AM 950. The Word. Walking down the street one day, you encounter a man. He is dressed in white patent leather shoes with silver side buckles and dark brown socks. His trousers are burnt orange bell bottoms. Wrapped provocatively around the elastic waistband is a Harvest Gold utility belt with a large Elvis commemorative buckle. His shirt is avocado green with the name Lou embroidered just above one pocket. And suddenly, it hits you. This has to be the guy who designed and decorated your kitchen. You resist the impulse to confront him and instead call Gold Key Cabinetry at 407-232-7144. Gold Key Cabinetry. Cabinetry will design, custom build, and install the kitchen of your dreams. No matter how large or small, Gold Key Cabinetry can take your dream from paper to reality. But don't take our word for it. See what their customers have to say about them. Log on at goldkeycabinetry.com. Gold Key Cabinetry has been serving Central Florida for over 34 years. Call today for your free estimate, 407-232-7144. Online at goldkeycabinetry.com. From dream kitchen to reality with Gold Key Cabinetry. Here's some great news. If you missed the deadline to sign up for health insurance, or more importantly, if you signed up for a plan that you're just not happy with, you still have a choice. It's called MediShare. MediShare is a Christian healthcare sharing program that's been around for 25 years, and they have hundreds of thousands of members all across the country. And get this, over the years, MediShare members have shared more than $1 billion of each other's medical bills. Best of all, you could save a lot of money with MediShare. The typical savings for a family is about 500 bucks a month. Your savings could be more or less, but think about what you could do with that extra money. Think you're stuck with a high-cost health plan that doesn't have a lot to offer? Well, think again. You can join MediShare anytime, so call them today and check it out. Here's the number to find out more, and there's no pressure. They're super easy to talk to. 844-41-BIBLE. That's 844-41-BIBLE. 844-41-BIBLE. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. Now, once again, here's Pat. My guest is Mike Berry from Central Indiana. Uh, We're talking about his book, Confessions of an Adoptive Parent. And Mike, as advertised, uh, Me Too, uh, Finding Strength in Relationships. Uh, What's that about? Um, So, you know... We were talking briefly just a moment ago about, you know, going on this journey, deciding to become a foster parent, an adoptive parent. Um, and like so many people do, they get on the journey and they ha- they, they're just they're unprepared. They didn't know about some of the special needs that children from places of trauma can deal with. And they find themselves in over their, their head. And then it's like, well, what do I do now? You know, we, we receive these people. We hear from these people all the time. Like, I don't know what to do. I'm lost. Um, I feel isolated and alone. And our answer is you need to find a community of people that get it, a community of people that will look at you and hear about the struggles that you're going through as a parent, and they will say, me too. I'm right there with you. I understand. Um, I get it. Um, <clears throat> that's the way that we, you know, we, we're people of faith, so our faith has sustained us um, on this journey. But our close friends, in fact, I was just hanging out with one of them last night uh, that I mentioned in the book, John, my friend John, um, these people are the people that get us, that understand us. They're on the same journey as we are. Um, they, they're, they're uh, former, their foster parents, current foster parents, and adoptive parents. Um, they're dealing. Their, their children have some of the same special needs that our children do. Um, the two of them and our other good friends, Ryan and Megan, um, that's our support community. Those, those four individuals, the six of us together, um, 
there it doesn't it, it doesn't matter what is happening in our lives with our kids um what kind of struggles we're going through as parents what kind of issues our kiddos are dealing with um they these people will always love us and they'll always love our kids no matter what uh so we often tell people listen you need a group like that you need people who are non-judgmental people who are understanding people who are in the water with you not people on the shore like we just talked about but people who have also jumped off and are out there too and they we can share the the, the life raft together you know uh, we love our kids but we cannot do this alone we were never meant to do this alone that's really what me too is all about mike talk about I didn't sign up for this, uh, learning to accept your new normal. Yeah, yeah. So one of the things that we, uh, we, we've we heard continuously from our readers and from our podcast listeners is this, this desperate cry that I, okay, yeah, I did jump off, and yeah, I am in, in that support group with people, and I have those people surrounding me, but I, I, th- this is too much. I didn't sign up for this. This is not what I thought it would be in the beginning, and, and I, I'm, I'm struggling right now. And so one of the things that we coach people through, and that is we say, listen, and I say this in the book too, I know, that, I know that you say, I didn't sign up for this, but here's the reality. You are signed up for this. You are this child's parent. You are called to, to care for this child, and I know it's hard. But listen, somehow, somewhere, that seed that you're planting in them by loving them and, and caring for them, it's going gonna, it's gonna to sprout up. It's going to grow. Um, so, and one of the ways that we, that we, that we get through that is when we have those moments of, I didn't sign up for this, is accepting our new normal, accepting that, listen, yes, our family doesn't look like other families. Um, we're going to deal with things that other families don't deal with. That, that goes back to that need for support community, people that understand you. Um, because this is your new normal and you can either accept it or you can reject it. And if you reject it, you're going to stunt your growth as a human being. I firmly believe. So, um, yeah, we've all had those moments on the foster adoptive journey where we look at our situation, we look at the exhaustion and we're like, this is not what I thought it would be. I didn't sign up for this. But the fact is you are signed up for this. You are this, you are on this journey. And now, it's, now you have the opportunity to grow, and you have the opportunity to invest in a child's life and change their life forever. And you may not see that change tomorrow or the next day or even the next five years, but your investment in them will pay out dividends at some point. Mike Berry is our guest. Uh, we're talking about his book, Confessions of an Adoptive Parent. Uh, Mike, how about this one? The Middle of the Wreckage, Discovering Hope Where You Least Expect It. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, you're probably getting the idea that I'm. Uh, this is a very personal book for me because all this stuff has come from my own journey. But um, yeah, you know, I one of the things I realized a few years ago is that I had this moment where I was like, "Oh my gosh!" So we uh, we were parenting, and we still are parenting our a child who suffers from fetal alcohol spectrum disorder, and. It's a trauma that he sustained before he was born um, from a choice that his birth mother made to consume alcohol and drugs. And uh, some of the behaviors that we dealt with with him were very extreme. Uh, lots of aggression, lots of uh, imp- impulsivities. Um, and that left us pretty wrecked as a family. In fact, you know, we would, we, we lived in suburbia USA and we would look around us and feel like we saw all these other families who, uh, you know, who had all everything together. Their life just looked perfect. Right. And we looked at our life and we're like, my gosh, our life looks more like a crash test dummy commercial. You know, the commercials they used to run back in the eighties and nineties. Like it looks like everybody else is smooth sailing and we're like this slow motion wreckage. That's just, um, out of control. And, you know, that can lead you to feel pretty hopeless. You feel like this is my life. This is what I'm going to, I'm going to, this is the way my life's going to be, you know, for the rest of my life. And you start to feel hopeless. Like, you know what, I'm never going to find hope in the middle of this. And, and if you're like me, you get, you get this mindset of thinking, okay, well, if I could just get through this wreckage, you know, in this circumstance, then I'll find hope. You know, if I could just make it out of this season, that's where I'll find a place of peace and a place of hope. And one of the things I realized being a person of faith is that while I'm so busy looking for hope 
after I get out of this or dreaming of the day that I do get past this situation, I'm missing what God has, has offered me right here in the middle of this. Because the fact is my Heavenly Father willingly steps into these circumstances with us. And that's for everybody. Anytime anybody's in a, in a, in a dark, desperate situation, we often start to fixate ourselves on when I get through this, right? But we miss out on the hope that we're offered in the middle of it. And so I, I, what I realized was I was, my Heavenly Father was saying, listen, I'm right here with you. I'm with your kiddo. I'm with you, and I'm with your family, and I'm holding you together in the middle of this. Stop looking for hope once you get out of this, because you may not get out of this. This may be your life. You're, you're dealing with a kiddo that has, that has a disorder that may require you to be hands-on for the rest of his life or your life. And that's, that's my new normal. So I can, I can choose to see the hopeful moments in the middle of that or continue fantasizing about when I get through this, and that may never come. So I, I realize you, there's a way. You, there is hope. God offers us hope in the middle of our circumstances. You know, so stop looking for hope when you get through this. There will be hope when you get through this, if you get through this, but there's also hope right now because he's with us. Mike, tell us about uh, You Are Not Alone, The Healing Power of Shared Experience. Yeah, so this also goes back to, this is uh, interwoven into the, um, the theme that you know, we've already been talking about, which is community uh, and, and being on this journey with others. Um, you know, I, it, this is, when I wrote this chapter, um, you know, I wrote it from this perspective of, of isolate, you know, going back to when I was very isolated, feeling like nobody understands, nobody gets where we're coming from, nobody understands the, the struggles that we've been through. And then we had this moment where we were sitting in this room about seven years ago, and all of these other families were in the room with us. And I'm, I'm sitting there with my arms folded thinking, I'm not going to share a word here. This, it was like a support group. And I'm like, I'm not going to share anything here because nobody here gets me anyways. And little by little, everybody began to open up around the room, and they began to share their experience. And as each person shared, suddenly I had these moments where I'm like, wait a second, I, I deal with that. I understand what they're going through. I've dealt with that. And in this moment, I realized I'm not the only one on this journey who feels this way. I, I, I had this mindset of thinking out of 7 billion people in this, on this spinning planet, I was the only one who felt desperate and hope, hope. I was the only one who loved my kid but was completely exhausted. I didn't know how I could face another day. And that's just simply not true because eight other families around this table that, that that, e- that one evening seven years ago confirmed that everybody else was dealing with the same fears, the same apprehensions, the same struggles. They had the same loving heart in their chest, but they were exhausted. And that shared experience, that moment of finding out you're, I, w- I wasn't alone, that became healing for me. Even And then none of my issues were solved. I didn't walk out of the room that night feeling like, okay, all my problems have now gone away. I walked out with this this energy and this passion, knowing that, you know what, there's somebody else walking the same way that I'm walking. There's somebody else limping the same way I'm limping. And that, those moments of shared experience, that, that gives you hope. When you find out you're not alone, it's healing. It doesn't solve all your issues. Um, you still have the same struggles. Your kiddos are still going to deal with the same, um, you know, issues and struggles, but you at least have this hope in knowing there's other people on this journey. Mike, tell us about uh, the story of your scars, uh, redefining failure. Yeah, so um, I a couple of years ago, uh, as I was doing some research and some study for uh, an upcoming talk that I was giving, uh, I, was, I was actually reflecting on a story um, from a long time ago when I was a kid. And it's a, it's, it's a story of a scar that's on my knee. It's on my left knee. And it's a scar that I've had ever since I was a kid. And when I was, when I was a kid, I played Little League Baseball. And I got the scar from sliding into second base. And as I did, a jagged rock on the, the baseball diamond pierced, sliced into my knee. And I had blood all over my pant leg. And it left a pretty significant scar. And, you know as I'm looking at this scar, I'm reflecting back on how 
I got thrown out at second base because I, I got I was out. I was out by a long. I'm not a very fast runner. I wasn't a very fast runner as a as an athlete. So I went to slide into second base. My knee got sliced open. The runner or the the second baseman tagged me out. So essentially, I had failed. But if I if I were to leave it at that, then that would have been a story of failure. But as I thought about that day, I realized, you know what? Our team ended up winning the game. We ended up winning uh, by several runs. So I can look at this scar and think, you know what? That's, that's a reminder of failure. Or I can look at the scar and remember that that was a day of success. And it hit me. You know what? Oftentimes on, this, on the foster adoptive journey, we have these emotional, spiritual, even physical scars. Because some of us are dealing with kiddos who have um, aggression and a lot of emotional outbursts. And sometimes it leaves physical scars. I mean, I've had people at conferences pull their arm, their sleeve of their, of their shirt up and show me actual scars in their arms. And oftentimes we look at that like, gosh, that was a moment of failure. That's a moment when I failed as a parent. That's a moment when I failed as, as a human being. But one, one of the things I realized about scars is that if you have a scar, that means you're still alive. You didn't, you didn't succumb to that experience. You're not dead. You're still living. And yeah, so yeah, it's, it's, it's the reminder of a past wound, but that's a past wound that's healed. So that means that you still have hope. And what I realized on this journey is that we can oftentimes look at, at our, our, the, the, the moments where we've failed and where we have these emotional scars in our heart, feel like, you know what, I failed. I'm a failure as a parent. Or we can look at our scars and, remind, and they can be a reminder that we're still alive, that we still have hope that we're still moving forward. So, um, you know, and I actually walk, walk people through some actual scars that we've sustained uh, in the chapter. Um, some, over a two-year period, we went through some really dark moments as a family. But you know what? Here we are on the other side of that, and we're far from perfect, but we're still alive. And our family's still together. So your, your scars can remind you that you failed. You can, you can let them remind you of, of past failures, or you can let them spur you on knowing that you're still alive. Mike, tell us about the, the voices in our heads uh, overcoming spiritual attacks. Yeah, so, uh, I, you know, as a person of faith, as I mentioned, I believe that I have a real and present enemy in this world who loves to kill, steal, and destroy me and jack with me in all different ways. And one of the ways that, that the enemy does that is he often sabotages my voice and uses it against me. Um, as John Eldridge said in his book, Wild at Heart, um, that's his, that's his key strategy. Um, and what he does, so oftentimes it looks like this. We hear these voices in our head that say, you know what? You're not good enough. You know what? You're screwing your kid up worse. You know, my guest, and he's been a good one, Mike Barry, talking about his book, Confessions of an Adoptive Parent. Uh, we've got more after this on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. It's 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word in Orlando. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on 94.9 FM and AM 950. The Word. Hi, I'm Barbara Sandek, your host on Grace Notes, a 15-minute program that contains biblical teaching and a wide variety of music. Some of the subjects we address are why do we have trials and cultivating intimacy with God. You can listen right here on WTLN every Sunday at 2.45 p.m. Can't catch the whole broadcast? Visit our podcast on the web 24-7 on WTLN.com. So tune in. You won't want to miss it. 33%. If you own an annuity, you could receive up to 33% more in guaranteed lifetime income. Annuities can be complicated and confusing, and you could be losing thousands of dollars every single year. Learn how you could change that now by calling J.D. Melberg Financial, who's been featured on PBS, CNBC, and Yahoo News. Discover the optimal time to start taking income from your annuity, ways to possibly lower your taxes, fees, and expenses, and how their exclusive next-gen annuity strategies could increase your guaranteed lifetime income by as much as 33%. To schedule an appointment, call 800-842-1313. Did I mention 33% more in guaranteed lifetime income? Call 800-842-1313. That's 800-842-1313. Increased income is possible using mixed-gen annuity strategies suited to your financial goals that may require buying multiple annuities. Not available in all states. Results may vary and will be less if excess patrols are taken. Annuity guarantees rely on the claims buying ability of the insurer. Employees of J.D. Milbert Financial have the appropriate licenses for the products they offer. 
You know, when it comes to haircuts, old-fashioned hot towels, straight-edge shaves, and professional shoe shines, there's only one place in the Orlando metro area that's the undisputed leader in men's barbershops. These Barbershop, located in the beautiful Lakeside Village Shopping Center at 7848 Winter Garden Violin Road in Windermere. These Barbershop brings you the nostalgia of yesteryear with a modern twist. And for the finest in men's grooming services and products, you can download V's Barbershop app. Go to thebarbershop.com or call 407-614-0330, 614-0330, and make your appointment today. V's Barbershop. It's a guy thing. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on 94.9 FM and AM 950. The Word. Now, once again, here's Pat. Mike Berry, our guest in that first segment, folks, talking about confessions of an adoptive parent. Uh, Gordon Klingenschmidt is with us from Colorado Springs, a former state legislator, former Navy chaplain. Goes by Chaps. That's his nickname. And uh, talking about his book, How to Liberate the World, in 30 days. Uh, chaps, good to talk to you. How are you? Thank you, Pat. Good morning. God bless you in Jesus' name. Can I say that on your show? Oh, you're more than, more than welcome to say that. Um, well, so what, appreciate it. So what does that mean, how to liberate the world in 30 days? What, what's, that, what's it about? What's that mean? Well, I've written this book, and it is a Christian devotional, and it takes 30 days, and there's a prayer at the end of every chapter. It's a pretty short book. But it is the subtitle is A Step-by-Step Guide to Take Back Your Country. So when I say how to liberate the world in 30 days, we're giving you political power tools for any grassroots citizen to hold elected officials accountable and literally take back power to the people away from the establishment. So I was a former legislator and a former Navy chaplain, and I've helped change bad laws or policies in 13 states using these 30 powerful political tools that we teach in the book, How to Liberate the World in 30 Days. You uh, start off the book by (coughs) sharing your victory story. Uh, Give us an overview of what happened in your own life. Well, thank you. Many of your listeners may remember my story from 2006 when I was a Navy chaplain And the government wrote a bad policy. They said that chaplains cannot pray in Jesus' name. You can pray to God, you can say amen, but if if you're not inside of the Sunday chapel, you cannot talk about Jesus, or you can be punished by your commanding officer. So I read this policy, and I said, I want to be the first. I volunteer to violate this policy. I'm going to pray in Jesus' name, even if it's not inside of the Sunday chapel. So I called my friend from Alabama, Roy Moore, the Ten Commandments judge, sure. and he flew, flew to Washington, D.C. with me, and we stood outside of the White House on a Thursday morning, and I wore my Navy uniform, and I prayed in Jesus' name on national television. So I broke the rules. Uh, I went back to work. They offered to punish me quietly. I said, no, I demand a court martial." And God bless the Navy brass. They granted my request. Very interesting. You you refer to the book, by the way, chaps, as a game plan blueprint or guideline for making a difference in our communities and country. Uh, How has that worked for you? Well, uh, in the case of my Navy trial, uh, you know, it went to a misdemeanor trial. But I instead of putting me on trial, what really happened is I put the policy on trial. And the Navy judge ruled that I was guilty of worshiping in public in my uniform. He failed to enforce the Constitution, and instead he defended the institution, and he enforced the new policy against me and punished me for praying in Jesus' name. But then a small miracle happened, Pat, and here's where the good stuff starts, is that my story ran in 500 newspapers. I was... Um, vindicated by Congress when 300,000 Americans petitioned Congress. I had an 85% approval rating with the public, and Congress changed the law. The Secretary of the Navy repented, rescinded the bad policy, and now all the chaplains can pray in Jesus' name, even in public, even in uniform, seven days a week. So that was perhaps the beginning of my career in politics, Uh, But unfortunately, that was the end of my career in the Navy. I lost a 16-year career. I lost a million-dollar pension. 
My wife and I were evicted from our home on the Navy base. But people ask me, chaps, that's a great price, but was it worth it? Would you do it all over again? And I say yes, because I refuse to deny Christ when ordered by the government, and I hope that I kept my soul. Mm. Uh, You say the government's tyranny made you an activist. Uh, How so? Well, like I say, when big government steps in and begins violating your religious freedom or violating your civil rights, uh, it it does something to you. It makes you have, I, I suppose you have to make a choice. It's kind of like in the Bible in Acts chapter 4, when Peter and John were ordered by the Pharisees, you must not preach or teach or anything at all in Jesus' name. But they said, who are you, Pharisees? Should we obey men or should we obey God? And they disobeyed men, and they obeyed God, and they kept on preaching and teaching in Jesus' name. But they were flogged for their disobedience, and they rejoiced that they were worthy to share in suffering for Christ. So they took a stand, and they ended up changing the whole world. And uh, thank God for their example, but that inspired me to become an activist of sorts. Since I left the Navy with an honorable discharge— I have now become a full-time activist, and we've helped change bad laws or policies in 13 states. Uh, We've helped hospital chaplains in Florida. We've helped police chaplains in Virginia. We have helped pastors in California. We've held rallies on the steps of uh, the governor's mansion. We've uh, had over 1,000 people march on a hospital in Florida. Uh, We had 400 people show up at a city council meeting in California, all demanding freedom and religious freedom. And every time we do this, the crowd shows up and we win. The the establishment elected officials are held accountable. They either change the bad policies or we vote them out of office. And uh, we teach these methods of political power in the book, How to Liberate the World in 30 Days. Uh, Chaps, I want you to... uh, Talk about this this uh, issue here. Uh, your book includes 30 powerful political tools for grassroots activists. And the subtitle is a step-by-step guide to take back your country. Uh, can you tell us about some of those tools uh, that you write about in your book? Yes, absolutely. Uh, in the book, How to Liberate the World in 30 Days, we teach, for example how to write a press release and get your story told in the newspapers, how to become the media. If your story is not covered by the mainstream media, we teach you how to start a blog or how to start an email list. We teach you how to, and when to engage in civil disobedience and when it's not okay to do that. Uh, We teach you how to create an organization like a nonprofit charity or a PAC or a political organization. We teach you how to build a website and get the word out for your cause. Uh, We teach you how to grow the size of your army and grow your email list so that you can get the word out more effectively. We now have 27,000 daily subscribers on my email list, for example. We teach how to organize a petition campaign to your congressman or to your state official to change a bad law. Uh, we teach you how to organize a rally and get a thousand people to show up at your at your event. Uh, we teach you how to raise money. We have a whole chapter on fundraising. Uh, we teach you when to sue for justice in court. You know, court is not always my first preference, but sometimes you have to go there. Uh, and we teach you how to run for office. Uh, maybe you're not going to run for office, but if you are going to run for office, we we teach you how to win. Uh, how to build a team of volunteers, how to do fundraising, and how to run a political race. All of these tools and more are in the book, How to Liberate the World in 30 Days. By the way, you can get the first chapter absolutely free right now if you visit schooloflibertyorg We have a video school that goes with the book at schooloflibertyorg You can get the first chapter free. My guest is Gordon Klingenschmidt. He's in Colorado Springs, goes by the nickname Chaps. How to Liberate the World in 30 Days is the name of his book. 
Uh, by the way, chaps, uh, I know you won election to the Colorado State Legislature, but in the book, uh, you say you actually were far more effective than, a, uh, than a, as an outsider rather than an insider. Uh, I, I want you to explain that. Well, you're absolutely right. You know, when I was an elected official in the Colorado legislature, I was able to pass or amend a handful of laws. But when I was an ordinary grassroots citizen, I actually was more effective at changing bad laws or policies in 13 states around America because I learned that political power does not depend on um, your having been elected. What it really depends on is, uh, first of all, the size of your God, and we serve a big God, and he is more powerful than anybody. But secondly, God's ability to help you mobilize a crowd. And if you have an issue, maybe it's not religious freedom like my issue was. Maybe you care about Second Amendment gun rights, or maybe you care about the pro-life cause, or maybe you care about um, you know, traditional values or education for your children. You can mobilize a crowd of people to sign a petition or to um, show up at the state capitol and not necessarily do some protesting, but just meet with your elected officials and tell them what they need to know. Uh, you can have so much influence on many, many public officials that you can get laws changed just as effectively as if you had been elected yourself. So we teach these power tools uh, at schoolofliberty.org for the ordinary citizen who just wants to get involved and, and change bad laws and, and turn them into good laws. You can help take back your country by holding your elected officials accountable. Chaps, why... Um... Why is it that you really want to mobilize Christians to take back the government? Well, I think if Christians don't get involved, then we abandon the political playing field and the leftists take over and and legislate our rights out of existence. Um, Just for example, I happen to live in Colorado, and many of you read in the newspapers about my friend Jack Phillips, the baker, who has been ordered by the government to make homosexual wedding cakes. Well, he is a Christian, and he does not want to participate in somebody else's religious ceremony, which would violate his conscience and help force him to endorse their sin. And so he, Jack Phillips, is a hero. He took a stand, and he's appealed that decision all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court. We're hoping for a good outcome there. But if we don't run for office, if we don't lobby our legislators, if we don't hold elected officials accountable, then the leftists will take the levers of power and begin to legislate Christians out of business. Uh, Jack Phillips has lost up to 40% of his business because he will not sin. Wouldn't it be better if we just change the law and give religious freedom back to the people? And that's what we can do if we learn how to uh, liberate the world in 30 days. Uh, chaps, tell me about this. Uh, you've actually used each of the 30 political power tools described in your book uh, to change bad policies in 13 states. Uh, can you give us some examples? Yes. Uh, after I left the Navy, I read about a hospital chaplain in Florida, Chaplain Danny Harvey had served for eight years at the Leesburg Regional Medical Center, and he was a Baptist preacher, but he prayed in Jesus' name. And one day he was called in by the HR director, and they said, you've got to stop that. You can't talk about Jesus. This is a hospital. And he's like, well, people are sick. They need me to pray in Jesus' name. And, and they said, no, if you don't stop, we're going to fire you. And he said he wouldn't, so he was fired the next day. Mm. Well, when, when I heard about this, I got involved. I went to Florida. I helped him organize some press releases. We got him on television with Fox News. And 30 churches organized together to have a rally on the uh, outside of the hospital on a Saturday morning. We had 1,200 citizens wearing Jesus T-shirts, and they marched in silent protest around the hospital. And we won. 
The hospital issued a full-page retraction saying it's okay to pray in Jesus' name, and the CEO of the hospital resigned in the face of public scandal. Unfortunately, Chaplain Harvey did not get his job back. There was a price to pay, but uh, we restored religious freedom in that city by mobilizing a crowd of people. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on 94.9 FM and AM 950. The Word. This is Dennis McKenzie for Families by Design. Strong families are designed by God. Do you want your family designed by God? For inspirational principles for today's families, listen to Families by Design with your host, Dr. Daniel Forbes and Kevin Picorni. Families by Design airs every Sunday at 9 p.m. That's Families by Design right here, 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. Addiction has reached epic proportions in the U.S. Join Anthony Ancampura of Banyan Treatment Center as he shares strategies for breaking the grips of addiction through the transforming power of God's Word on his new show, Faith and Recovery. If you're mad at God, if you have anger against God and, and, and resentments against Him, cry out to Him. Where are you, God? Where are you? I don't feel you. Where's your presence? Hi, I'm Anthony Ancampura. Join me on Saturdays at 2 p.m. on 94.9 FM and 9.50 a.m. The Word as we discover how God can turn a mess into your message. 33%. If you own an annuity, you could receive up to 33% more in guaranteed lifetime income. Annuities can be complicated and confusing, and you could be losing thousands of dollars every single year. Learn how you could change that now by calling J.D. Melberg Financial, who's been featured on PBS, CNBC, and Yahoo News. Discover the optimal time to start taking income from your annuity, ways to possibly lower your taxes, fees, and expenses, and how their exclusive next-gen annuity strategies could increase your guaranteed lifetime income by as much as 33 To schedule an appointment, call 800-842-1313. Did I mention 33% more in guaranteed lifetime income? Call 800-842-1313. That's 800-842-1313. Increased income is possible using mixed-gen annuity strategies suited to your financial goals and may require buying multiple annuities not available in all states. Results may vary and will be less if excess patrols are taken. Annuity guarantees rely on the claims buying ability of the insurer. Employees of J.D. Milbert Financial have the appropriate licenses for the products they offer. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on 94.9 FM and AM 950. The Word. Now, once again, here's Pat. Chaps Schmidt is with us from Colorado Springs. How to liberate the world in 30 days. Uh, Chaps, do you believe that Jesus, or or in the Bible, do you think it teaches Christians uh, to get involved politically? Yes, I believe so. And you can sort of see that in the Lord's Prayer. When Jesus teaches us to pray, let thy kingdom come, let thy will be done here on earth in the same way that it is being done in heaven, he's talking about taking back dominion in some way. And first, we need to let Jesus become the Lord of our hearts. And after he is the Lord of our hearts, then he will be the Lord of our politics. And so God is already ruling up in heaven But in many places on earth, God is not ruling, and he should be. But you read the newspaper headlines, and you read about all kinds of tragedy and pain and suffering and sin. uh, And we want to step in and redeem the culture. And Jesus taught us to do that. He taught us to pray for that. And I think it's important that Christians uh, take back the culture or at least leave a better world for our children and grandchildren than the one that we inherited. Let's uh, get into this topic. Uh, your national TV show, uh, PIJN News, on the NRB TV network. Uh, what's your th- what are your thoughts about Christians uh, trying to compete with mainstream media? Well, that's a great question. We have a whole chapter on this in my book, How to Liberate the World in 30 Days. And the chapter title is, You Must Become... The media. Now, understand that the mainstream media is not favorable to our cause. You know, the just think of all the arrows they have slung towards Donald Trump. But the main newspapers and the three big TV networks, uh, they don't always cover our stories. So we have got to become the media. We have got to change 
people's opinions by winning them over to Christ. And the way we do that, uh, I started just by starting a simple blog, uh, a, a website. Uh, and then we started with an email list, and that grew. And then we started with petition drives, and that grew our email list by thousands of people. And then uh, we started a YouTube channel with some daily videos, and then we started fundraising, and then we became a national TV show on the NRB network. I'm on a half hour every day, uh, right after James Robinson on Direct TV channel 378. And people can watch our TV show, PIJN News, so that we get the word out and we pray the news. We don't just report the news, but we pray the news. You know, this is all something any ordinary citizen can do if they start small, if they stay focused, and if they hire talented people, uh, you can build a, a media empire. I hope to be the next Rupert Murdoch and, and compete with Fox News, but uh, you know, I'm not there yet, but we're on the way, and we are influencing and winning hearts and minds of people, and you can do that too. Chaps, let's um, discuss this issue. How do you really hold elected officials accountable? Well, thank you. I was an elected official. I served two years in the Colorado State House. Uh, I won my election, but then I ran for state senate, tried to go double or nothing, and I lost, unfortunately. Uh, I was outspent by outside groups. But I have learned as an elected official that there are several things that elected officials fear. And the one thing they fear is not getting reelected. Uh, and what causes that to happen is that crowds of people are mobilized by uh, sometimes invisible forces, right? But more often than not, it's just neighbors meeting neighbors and knocking on doors and volunteering. So if you have an elected official who votes the wrong way, the easiest way to hold them accountable is to volunteer for their opponent in the next election. And if you find a good Christian candidate and you find someone who's going to vote for smaller government and more liberty, you should support them. And the way you support them, we have a whole chapter in my book, How to Liberate the World in 30 Days, about how to show up at your state capitol and testify in committee, uh, another chapter on how to become an intern, aide, or staffer for your elected official, another chapter on how and when to join a political party, how to help a candidate who is running for office, and ultimately, if you can't find one, you should run for office yourself. We have a chapter on winning your own election and building a team of volunteers. So these are the ways that you hold elected officials accountable, and that is with petitions, with lobbying, with demands, and then if they don't perform, then you fire them, and you fire them by organizing an election against them. Chaps, tell me about um, Christians running for public office. What are your thoughts? Well, I think it's critical. I think um, if Christians don't run for office, then leftists will run for office, and, and they will, uh, I suppose, overrule us. And, take, and the, the, the tyrants will take away our liberty. Let me give you an example. In Virginia, there were 17 police chaplains working for the state trooper superintendent, and one day that superintendent, Colonel Flaherty, called in the 17 chaplains who were state troopers, and he said, you cannot pray in Jesus' name. Well, six of the chaplains resigned rather than deny Christ. They were heroes who took a stand. And when I heard about this, I took action. I went to Richmond, Virginia, and we organized first 86 pastors to sign the letter to the governor. Well, the governor, Democrat Tim Kaine, wrote back to me a three-page letter saying, no, I'm not going to let the chaplains pray in Jesus' name. He went on television saying, I don't pray in Jesus' name, so why should I let my police chaplains do that? And so we did not change the policy yet. But then we organized a rally outside of the governor's mansion. We had a 1,000 people march on the governor's mansion, and still the governor would not repent. So then my friends who attended the rally, some legislators, introduced legislation to let the chaplains pray in Jesus' name. It passed through the state assembly and it was blocked in the state Senate. Uh, 
by a Democrat who wanted to be the next governor. Well, then we got involved in the election. I sent voter guides by fax machine to 2,500 Virginia churches. And before the election, about six weeks beforehand, the pastors distributed some of these voter guides to the voters. And the polls at that time were about 43 to 41, very close. But after the faxes went out, we won. And on election day, the Republican, Bob McDonald, was elected governor 59 to 41, and the anti-Jesus Democrat was defeated. And six anti-Jesus legislators were fired from the assembly. They lost their elections. And so then we presented 14,000 paper petitions to the new governor, and Bob McDonald reversed the ban. He let the police chaplains pray in Jesus' name. They got their jobs back or were offered to be so, and uh, we restored religious liberty. That took about two years of my life to do all this, but these are the ordinary power tools that we implemented to restore liberty, and you can do this too. We teach this in How to Liberate the World in 30 Days. Get the first chapter free right now at schooloflibertyorg uh, in closing, chaps, uh, overall, what do you see in the U.S. at the moment that encourages you? I am so happy, and I am so positive about the direction that our country has, has turned since we left the Obama administration and since we moved toward the Trump administration. There's so many positive signs of grassroots citizens standing up to take back their country. But we cannot rely on President Trump alone. We need to remain engaged, especially in these midterm elections coming up at the city council level, at the school board level, at the county commissioner races, and the state legislatures around the country, uh, right there in Florida. Pat, I bet there is somebody listening who needs to run for public office. And you've been thinking about it. God's been speaking to you about it. But today, you need to get the book, How to Liberate the World in 30 Days a step-by-step guide to take back your country. Gordon Klingenschmidt has been our guest. Uh, We've got a wrap-up, folks, right after this. On the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour, you're listening to 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word, right here in Orlando, Florida. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. It's long, over a thousand chapters, over 30,000 verses. No wonder so many of us have never read it cover to cover. Want to do it? Want to read the entire Bible? Start today at BibleStudyTools.com. BibleStudyTools.com includes Bible in a Year, an interactive plan for reading, learning, and understanding the Bible. Deepen your faith and impact your walk with God one day at a time. Bible in a Year, just one of the new interactive Bible study tools at BibleStudyTools.com. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. Now, once again, here's Pat. Thanks for joining us, folks. Uh, in that first segment, Mike Berry was our guest, uh, Confessions of an Adoptive Parent, and then uh, Gordon Klingenschmidt from Colorado Springs uh, talking about how to liberate the world in 30 days. Uh, please visit my website. It's patwilliams.com. The Twitter page, Orlando Magic Pat. And my new book is out. It is called Leading God's Way. Uh, We take a look at the great leaders in biblical history and uh, write about their leadership skills and how that applies to you and me today in our leadership roles. Uh, Leading God's Way. Uh, Go up to Amazon, best way to order books, and and, and get it. I think you'll enjoy it. Uh, In the meantime... Uh, Have a great day in church tomorrow. A wonderful week ahead in this wonderful Central Florida weather. And uh, we're back next week for more on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour right here on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word in Orlando. Thank you for joining us for this week's edition of the Pat Williams Power Hour. Join us again next week at the same time where faith comes by hearing. 94.9 FM and AM 950. The Word.
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.